Welcome back to Crossing the Jordan, everybody. Today, I'm recording this actually quite a few days before this, but today I'm releasing this on June 29th. And the reason I'm releasing this special episode on June 29th is to honor my mama Mary because this day, two years ago in 2018, I had a powerful, powerful encounter with our mother, Our Lady, at Lourdes, France, where she appeared to St. Bernadette and where thousands of miracles have happened, but 80 have been confirmed to be truly miraculous, um, you know, life-saving miracles that happened on the spot. And I had a powerful encounter there. And just to remind you guys, I've shared this before, but I'll just share it one more time. So at this time, I was discerning the priesthood and this was, I was going to be going on the Camino de Santiago, the way of St. James through Spain. And this was going to be my time to finally discern if I'm going to be a priest or what I'm going to do. So I'm going to go on this Camino de Santiago with uh, 15 friends and I'm going to discern the whole time with the Lord about what I want to do. But before we went there, I went with three of our other, three of my friends to uh, France. We went to Paris, Lisieux, and Lourdes. Paris is incredible. The Miraculous Metal Church, Lisieux is incredible. You know, St. Therese and her, her parents, Zelie and Louis, and just absolutely incredible and stunning just so incredible. I want to go back. And then to Lourdes, France. And Lourdes, France is where Mary appeared to St. Bernadette. And there's miraculous water there. The properties can't be explained. The source of it can't be explained. Uh, It's like a scientific fact that you could drink it no matter what circumstance. You won't get sick. Healings take place right on the spot. Um, And it's obviously, it's pretty organized now from uh, being over 100, 100 years. Now it's kind of, they channel the, that like that water into almost like, like into like bathtubs for a men's side and a woman's side. And they have doctors right on site and all this stuff. So we go there and this is before the Camino de Santiago. And, uh, the first day there was June 29th, 2018. It was me and three of our, three of my friends. And I'm being super goofy. Like we're, we're just getting up to this huge church right in the center of this beautiful Catholic town of Lords. And I'm goofing around, you know, there's, there's like sister, like religious sisters singing off into the distance. I, I got a, I'm recording a video. I'm showing how incredible this church is and the beautiful, it was like a beautiful sunny day. Um, and it's just packed with, with just like love everywhere and just a super Catholic town. And, uh, and I'm recording this video and we're walking up towards the sanctuary, but I'm walking slow cause I'm recording the video, you know? And as soon as I got to like the spot, I like my eyes like hit where Mary appeared at the grotto to St. Bernadette and like for no reason. And to, to me at that time, there was no reason to be doing this, but I just uncontrollably started crying. I don't know what was going on. All I knew in that moment that I was crying, I was emotional and I felt the presence of Mary. And I knew in that moment that she's always been my mother. She's been praying for me and guiding me back to Jesus and his church. And she is my mother in the powerful prayers that she has, right? That intercession that happened at the wedding of Cana and it happened at the cross and happened at the upper room of Pentecost. Her role as the mother of all Christians in Revelation 12 has not ceased. So, um, and 
is we are the body of Christ. She is the mother of, of Jesus, and we are the the children of, of Mary, the new Eve, the new Rachel, the Ark of the Covenant, the Queen Mother of the Davidic Kingdom. She is all those things. Go listen to all the, all the theological and the uh, um, more of apologetics type podcast about her. But in that moment, man, I could just just feel the power of her prayers and her presence and her being my mom. And then I continued walking up. We were walking up to the grotto. And before you go to the bath, there's the actual grotto where Mary appeared. There's an altar there. And there's like a little rope, like a rope lining off for a line of people to walk through. And you can like place your hand on the rock where the water, where the waters are, the water is trickling down. And so we're in line. I'm still crying. I'm boohooing and uh, come up to the rock. And as soon as I placed my hand on the rock and I felt that water, I heard her voice. It wasn't audible, but it was the most clear thing that I have encountered. Um, And I heard her say, my son, tell me everything that's on your heart. And I start crying more. And, (laughs) and at that time I was praying a novena for our to our lady of Lords for more uh, anointing of healing and prophecy. I wanted to see more spiritual gifts. I want to become more alive in the spirit and all those things. And that just went straight out the window. <laughs> I still prayed for that for later when I'm talking to her, but that went straight out the window. As soon as I heard her, heard her voice, I was asking about, you know, my family, people that I've heard, uh, and all this stuff and like just my life. And, um, I'll point out a few and I had a dialogue with her for like six to eight minutes, but I'll point out a few, uh, key and high, moments of that experience was um talking about my family and specifically my parents and she said pray the rosary daily for them and love them and i prayed the rosary every day and i know i failed a lot of times but i tried to love them the best i could and the next easter they came to the church they got uh you know like their marriage was uh blessed they really got married um and then my mom received all three sacraments my dad got confirmed and in communion my mom got baptized confirmed the eucharist and they're in jesus's church in love with christ (laughs) and um and then you know talking about uh you know i told her uh you know just i asked her about my vocation and she revealed that I'm called to be a husband and a father. And I told her, and this is kind of the, the peak of my encounter with her. I told her, you know, just from my sins before I knew Christ, uh, man, I hurt a lot of people and especially women. And I told her, Mary, if, if, if I'm called to this vocation, mom, I need to be a better man. I need purity. And three things happened simultaneously. My heart got super hot and like the heat spread all the way through my chest. And she gave me an image of white blossoming roses. And she said, my son has made you pure. And, uh, yeah. And, and then, so I fully trusted that vocational calling and I knew who it was with. (laughs) And guess what? It's my wifey now, (laughs) Napoli. And, uh, and she's just always, you know, been a huge part of our life. She, we got engaged on, uh, the mother of God feast day. We we're married the eve of the immaculate conception and mama Mary is just, uh, she's just incredible <laughs> to have as a mother. Um, and yeah, just so powerful. And that's what happened to me two years ago. She revealed my vocation. She 
revealed, you know, what I, uh, just things about me and myself. And, um, and I also did ask for more healing and all that good stuff. And that was awesome. But just the open dialogue with our mother, Mary was just absolutely incredible. So in honor of those two years, I really wanted to talk about the spiritual life of Mary because she is the perfect example of the Christian life where it's like consumed by grace. It's literally all grace. And then her, uh, you know, she has this radical faith and perfect obedience and humility to the divine will. She has, she's both contemplative and missionary. She's both virgin and mother. So every single person can relate to her and she's fully human, right? So she's just a human person and yet God raises her up in the plan of salvation and gives her the grace. And literally think about even just the the Immaculate Conception. Literally she did nothing to earn it <laughs> and she did nothing and God reserved or saved her from ever falling into sin, original or personal sin right from the get-go. Uh, and knowing like it's still her free will and everything as she was growing up and her decisions, and everything like that, she still had to say yes. And that is the mystery uh, of God. He is not somebody, we're not just, uh, you know, predestined in the sense where there's no will, there's no free will, there's no um, decision that a human being makes. Like we're just all like robots on this course that, uh, that God is playing. But actually that is the actual um you know, sovereignty of God, that he works in human history, taking into account our free and human wills and takes them into consideration for our freedom to have true love. And yet he is in control of all of history. So he sees, and as the new Eve, it's Mary as the Ark of the New Covenant, the new Eve, who is reserved from sin right from right from the get-go. So this beautiful, uh, just pure grace, unmerited grace, right? And um, then let's go to the time of the incarnation. She's a 14 year old girl and <clears throat> she believed and received the word of God. And the word of God is who? Jesus, the logos, the one who was in the beginning was God, what was with God and is God and not, and everything from him came into being. All things were created through him, right? And she conceived of the word of God. She believed and received. She had that crazy radical faith and her magnificat her magnificat in uh luke 1 42 through i think 42 or is it 46 through 55 or 43 through 52 i think it's nine verses right in there her magnificat which is like the canticle of mary it was filled with the old testament she was filled with grace and the the word of god and in, in sacred scripture everything everything in there was just uh a like an instantaneous just praise of God through his promises revealed in the Old Testament. And so she was filled with the love of God from a young age. And so, um, and from that encounter, I believe, fully believe that she was very aware of God's presence and she was very aware and open to angelic visitations. And she was in constant dialogue with God and open, and she was very open to receive surprises and uh, to be surprised and to new ways of God. So like her, because her, uh, her, you know, her reaction to the message doesn't make any sense because she wasn't shocked that an angel came to her. She said that she was shocked of like what type of message this would be because it could have been a different message because the literally the angel said, "Hail, full of grace." 
kekeritomene, a Greek word that means for, that you have been perfected in grace, like you are filled with grace. You've been there, you are filled with grace, and you always will be. It was a name, it was a proclamation of a name, like calling her full of grace, hail full of grace, like a queen. Um, uh, and this is coming from heaven, and she is like, what is this? <laughs> like, but she doesn't freak out from the actual presence of a, of an, um, I would imagine, uh, a huge angel, angel Gabriel, the archangel, one of the archangels, but she was just always aware of God's presence and in dialogue with God and open to receive surprises. And she says, let it be done to me according to thy word. Let it be done to me according to thy word. The words that every single Christian should say to, to God. And then the Holy Spirit, came upon her and she received the word of God. And this is the two mysteries of the Christian faith to live and abide in the presence of God through the Holy Spirit and the Eucharist. And the Eucharist is who himself, Christ, the Holy Spirit. Um, and so she can already see right from here, she's the very first Christian consumed in the life of the Trinity. So each of these is the manifestation of God's presence in Mary's life. So and it foreshadowed what would happen in the upper room on Holy Thursday and on Pentecost to all Christians receiving uh, and still continue today um, <clears throat> encountering Christ through his Paschal mystery. But she is already um, in the incarnation. She is already consumed in the life of the Trinity. That's why to be dedicated to the Trinity is really to live a Marian spirituality and a Marian life and to be, um, you know, in love with our mother because obviously she ain't God. But we honor her because she has a because God has honored her, angels have honored her, humans have honored her, and she has played a very very unique role in the redemption of the human race of 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 God, so uh, from God, <clears throat> and so she's already consumed here in the life of the Trinity. She is the handmaid of the Father. She becomes the mother of the Son. She becomes the spouse of the Holy Spirit, which the foreshadowing. She was skirted by the Holy Spirit, which was um, uh, you know marriage language. She was married to the Holy Spirit, um, and she became the mother of the Son. What incredible mysteries, you know? And then after that, she went with haste to share the gospel. She went with haste to share the gospel. She went to the hill country of Judea, just as uh, when King David, he had the Ark of the Covenant, he went to the hill country of Judea. And so Mary is shown here in, in Luke to be the Ark of the New Covenant, to go to the hill country of Judea. And when she goes into Elizabeth, who has John the Baptist, who is the, the prophet that come before the Christ to prepare the way of the Savior, uh, the, the child leaps in Elizabeth's womb. And what did David do before the Ark of the Covenant? He leapt. He leapt for joy. And then he stayed there for three months. And Mary stayed there for three months with Elizabeth. So she's the Ark of the New Covenant perfected, made perfectly in grace, unstained by grace. And she contains the high priest, the word of God made flesh and the bread of life in Jesus Christ. The fulfilled what the old covenant, what the old covenant had is now fulfilled in the new covenant of Christ. And she is the ark that it perfectly contains that. So she, she goes from this contemplative stave, stage of being open to God's uh, presence. She says, yes. And then she goes with haste to share the gospel. She imparts the Holy Spirit to Elizabeth. It says that, that Elizabeth, um, you know, she was, she was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And that was only after the Holy Spirit probably like, you know, went from Mary to, to Elizabeth. And then she worshiped her son with the Magi. The Magi came and worshiped the son who was being held in her arms as the queen mother. And they were worshiping Jesus. So she, she wore, she worships her son with the Magi. 
Then they, her and Joseph presents Jesus in the temple. They dedicate him and it which showed Jesus being the true temple that he would uh, later communicate and foreshadows, foreshadowed us being spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ in the Eucharist as she offered him back to the Father. So um, she went to the temple and gave uh, wanted to give you know, Jesus to the priest to offer him back to God, to dedicate him to God, which is a beautiful foreshadowing of the Eucharist that we offer back to God. Jesus himself offers it uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit back to the Father, and that's the continued Paschal mystery in our midst. And so she goes to the temple with the true temple of, that is Jesus and the true Lamb of God. So they had to offer sacrifices, either two, pigeon, uh, two pigeons if they couldn't afford it or a lamb. But, and it says that they went there with two pigeons, so it shows that they were poor, but they also went there with the true Lamb of God to be sacrificed in the presence of God, to be the temple of God, where, like, right when Jesus uh, gave up the gave up his spirit and he died, the temple was torn from top to bottom. So it was God's doing that the presence of God would be made manifest, but also he, the sacrifices of the old covenant, the old covenant uh, law, the old covenant um, priesthood would be fulfilled and perfected in Jesus. He's re, he is giving us a new temple. He is giving us a new law. He is giving us a new priesthood. Um, and so in, the, in that offering of the temple that Mary and Joseph did with Jesus, Zechariah prophesied, or uh, uh, Simeon prophesied that her soul would be pierced um, when he talks about how Jesus is going to be a sign of contradiction and will be the, the manifestation for the rise and fall of many of Israel, right? So, and that's fulfilled at the cross. He is given sacrifice as a sign of contradiction. It's God that's crucified, just like St. Paul says. It's a stumbling block for Greeks and for the Jews. And because it's not something that we expect. And Mary directly participates that her soul was pierced. A mother was pierced. And she said she humbly willed the divine will of redemption to go to the cross with him humbly. So she suffers. She is the new Rachel that suffered for the the beloved disciple, right? Just like the Old Testament did. So she is the mother of the new Israel, which is the church. And then when Jesus was at the age of 12 uh, and they went up to Jerusalem, they went to Jerusalem for a feast day, they lose Jesus and Mary and Joseph return back to Jerusalem. They go back and she pondered all these things in her heart. So a few things from that. She knows where to find, like, the to go back to the presence of God, to be longing for the presence of God. And it's um, elevating our plans to the will of God. And Jesus challenges her to do that. And Jesus continues to challenge uh, challenges us to do that, is to elevate our plans to the plan and the will of God. And so, and Mary ponders all these things in her heart. So she's pondering all these things. She's contemplative. She's receiving. She's receptive. She is the one that Jesus talks about in the parable to sell all things for that great pearl found in and, and to hold in the heart like the treasures of God are endless, uh, uh, Old Testament says. And so she's treasuring all these things about the God made flesh in her womb, her son Jesus, um, for the redemption of the world. She's pondering all these things in her heart and then that would be fully revealed at the cross when her soul is pierced um, with her son Jesus uh, dying on the cross. So she ponders all these things in her hearts. so she's contemplative. And then she intercedes uh, at the wedding of Cana for new wine for people. And she continues to do that. She intercedes for the new wine of the spirit, the new wine of the Eucharist, the blood of Jesus. She is the one to reveal and to, uh, she was 
as a human, so attached to the divine will that when she says uh, at the wedding of Cana to the servants, do whatever he tells you, talking about Jesus uh, to the servants, do whatever he tells you. It's the same thing that the father says at the transfiguration to the to Peter, James, and John at the trans, at transfiguration. Do whatever he tells you. So she, she's so in tune with the divine will that she goes. She is so observant. She knows our needs. She sees at the wedding feast. Everybody's having fun. Everybody's partying. And she probably sees and senses this issue that the bridegroom and the bride are having. They're worried that this wine is going to run out and peop, and is a huge embarrassment. And she goes to the only, to she knows who can provide her son, Jesus. And it'd be the way that he reveals his glory and starts his earthly ministry. And he begins it on the intercession of his mother to give people new wine, to give new wine, to make us new wineskins, to receive the new wine. So she's always interceding for people, for our, for the people. She suffers with Jesus at the cross. She is completely submitted to the divine will. She is completely emptied in humility at the cross. She, uh, after Jesus's death, um, on the cross, she anticipates her son's resurrection with full trust and hope. She knows that Jesus is going to be delivered of this. And then she doesn't want anything more than her son's glory. So can you imagine, just think, put yourself in a mother's shoes that she, you would watch your son be, you know that he's perfectly innocent. He's just, he didn't do anything wrong. And all these people are lying about him, slandering him. And then crucify, scourge him, crucify him, make fun of him, mock him, spit on him, hit him, punch him, uh, all these horrible things. And she watches this and her heart is pierced. She suffers. And then he is, and he dies on the cross, completely emptied out. And he's laid in a tomb. Your son just died. And then she patiently waits for her son's resurrection and after the resurrection, for 40 days with the apostles, is preparing them for mission, just like he, he did. And then he ascends back into heaven. And she, you know, from an earthly perspective, where we would think that she is probably sad again that he left. But I, in my meditation and contemplation with Mary on the, the life of Christ and the ascension of the glorious mysteries of the ascension of Christ, man, she was filled with joy. She wanted nothing more than for her son to be glorified. And that's what it was exactly what was happening in the ascension back to the Father, that our human nature was taken up into the divine glory so that what she's been participating in for her whole life uh, by grace to the very nature of God, to self-giving love, now she knows that human nature is going to be forever changed. And then she waits patiently for for the coming of the Holy Spirit in the upper room with the apostles for nine days. And they were scared. Nine days? You would be going crazy if you were scared and you're probably doubting. They even, uh, I forget if it was at the Ascension. I think it was right before the Ascension. It says they worshiped, but they doubted. So they're still, they're worshiping Jesus and yet they're still doubting. And then they're filled with fear. They're like, people are getting persecuted for their being followers of Jesus they denied them at the cross. They don't want to deny him again. So they're f- so afraid. They're back in this upper room. They're scared. And then again, in my own contemplation, I'm not infallible or nothing like that, obviously. But just like contemplating that, I can only imagine like sometimes the apostles just wanting to leave and Mary would just put her hand over their hand and say, wait, the promise is coming. 
and she wants nothing more for that new wine to be poured out. <clears throat> that Holy Spirit, that that same Spirit that she has already been consumed by as the spouse of the Holy Spirit, now she waits patiently in the upper room with the apostles so that they can receive and participate in that as well. And then <clears throat> her... Obviously, her whole life as the mother of the church, the mother of the apostles, the the mother of Jesus, she continues and she is more than likely a mentor, a spiritual director in some sense, and a comforter. And this is what she continues to be. And even at her death, whether she fell asleep or she actually died to be fully united in Christ's death, she is perfected in Christian grace, the Christian life that everything that Christ promised has already been fulfilled in Mary because of grace. And so she has taken body and soul into heaven to be um, that perfect image, that perfect icon for every single Christian. That is our hope. She is our hope, meaning that Jesus is our hope, but it's, it's already what we hope for is what's already been fulfilled in the life of Mary, <laughs> that perfect grace of Christ being fulfilled in a Christian's life. And so Mary is the perfect disciple. Mary is the perfect Christian. She is both contemplative and missionary. She's perfect in obedience and and humility to the divine will. She has perfect faith. And every single person, a lot of people probably think, oh, I can't relate to to Mary because she was perfect in everything. But you can relate to her in everything because I know uh, one, one family who were Protestants and then they lost children, child after child, and the mother was just so broken and their evangelical church, they didn't have any theology about redemptive suffering or suffering with Christ or rejoicing in suffering. And the reality is that it was always like resurrection Sunday, like joy, like joy, 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 which it always is. But it's the joy with even within suffering as a sacrifice of praise, right? As the Old Testament says, a sacrifice of praise. Well, you're, it wouldn't have to be a sacrifice if it wasn't painful. So in her suffering, um, this family, through their suffering, they were Protestant at this time. Mary appears to this woman. This is right in Detroit, by the way. Mary appears to this woman and says, I know what it's like to lose a son. So every single suffering that you experience, Mary feels it. Every single joy that you feel, Mary feels it. Every single time you enter into prayer, Mary knows the perfect prayer. <laughs> every single time that you hear the voice of God, she has already perfectly heard the voice of God. She had the perfect faith. She had the perfect humility. She had the perfect obedience. Everything that we go through, she's perfected it, obviously all by grace. So she's both contemplative and missionary. So whether you're a consecrated celibate priest or a religious sister who is literally a cloistered nun, Mary's your mother. And guess what? You're just like her, she was consecrated. She was contemplative. She was always in prayer, interceding. And then if you're the missionary who loves to go and evangelize and all these things, and if you're a priest who loves to evangelize, if you're a lay person who loves to evangelize, you can relate to her because she was an evangelist. She went and shared the good news. She was always on mission with her son, Jesus. And so, um, and if you're a mother, obviously you can relate to her. If you're a consecrated virgin, you can relate to her because she is both mother and virgin. She is the perfect image of the church who is both mother and virgin as the bride of Christ. Mama Mary is the perfect example of the Christian life and she is the icon of that perfect cleansed bridegroom that Jesus will receive when he comes back in glory. The bride, or the, the bridegroom receiving the bride, the church. 
perfected by the blood of the lamb. And that is what Mary is. And she, this is the beautiful spiritual life of Mary. And we just love you, Mama Mary. And let's just end this episode with a Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Joseph, pray for us. Thank you.